the Avatar was the only person born amongst all the nations who could master all four elements. He was the only one who could communicate with the spirit world. With the spirit's guidance, the Avatar kept balance in the world. And then a hundred years ago, he just disappeared. Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen? And it's a show where we talk about movies, and specifically we talk about a movie that at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. This is episode number 116, and the movie that uh, we watched this week was 2010's The Last Airbender, written, produced, and directed by M. Night Shyamalan. And here to talk with me about it um, is Jimmy Claire. Jimmy, how you doing? Good, how are you? I am doing well. So, so you brought this movie to me. I had not seen it before, um, but you had seen this, correct? Yep. Okay. Uh, are you? Were you a fan of the the show Avatar: The Last Airbender? Uh, well, I've I own it multiple. Uh, um, I'm I have all the DVDs, and I have it on uh, digital uh, video as well. So I'm totally a big fan of the show. Okay. Uh, the movie, not so much. <laughs> right. So I will say that um, I am familiar with the show. I have seen episodes of the show, but I um, I can't call myself a big-time fan of it just because I haven't been as exposed. But I had heard about this movie, and uh, its reputation preceded it, so I did try to come into it uh, as open-minded as I could. Um, I'm the type of person I like almost everything. Um, it's really hard for me to find a movie that I can't find uh, redeeming qualities in or enjoyment in, in some way. Um, I, I gotta say right off the bat, this is not good. This movie was not, uh, not well done. And I want to get into some reasons why some of it is, uh, I have a weird love hate relationship with M night Shyamalan as a filmmaker. Um, and he's a major reason uh, that this is rough for me. Um, but I, I, I want to kind of start with some of the cast and sort of talk about them because it's not all their fault. And it's unfortunate because they're not great. I mean, Noah Ringer plays um, Ang or Ang, as they pronounce it in, in the movie. Um, yeah, I, I didn't know they got the name, by the way. What's that? Uh I, 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 yeah, when I heard that their names were so mispronounced in the in the movie from the show, I was like, "Yeah, um, how do you get Ong out of Ang? The the characters are not even the, the letters were not even in there." <laughs> yeah, um, and and I read somewhere that that was um, M Night Shyamalan trying to uh, make more sort of realistic pronunciations, but. It, why you have the show you have source material go with that so you, you could have you could have made a billion dollars of just going along with the show but right nope. right and so noah ringer plays ang and noah ringer was probably about 12 or 13 when they made this he has two credits uh to, okay technically three um credits to his name as far as acting goes this movie the video game based on this movie and then a movie that came out a year later called Cowboys and Aliens, um, directed by John Favreau. That's it. He hasn't acted since then. He's not awful as the character of Aang, 
especially given that he's 12, 13 years old. I think as a, as a fresh uh, actor, he had virtually nothing. He had done no acting before this. Um, I thought he was okay. Like I give, I give child actors a lot of leeway in their line reads and things because I know I remember what I was like at 12 and 13 and there's no way I'm a terrible actor. Now I was worse then. So, you know, I give him, I give him a lot of, a lot of rope, but, um, he's not given much to work with here in terms of like material, but physicality wise, he's great. Uh, he's a uh, Taekwondo, I think black belt. Um, and a lot of the Tai Chi that he did was really good, but boy, some of them lines are rough. Like, man. And, and what I remember of the series is that Aang is, uh, he's not like dour and, and down all the time. Like he's got a goofy kind of nature to him. Yeah. He's, he's witty. He's funny. He's, uh, he's all energetic. Mm-hmm. They, they basically M. Night Shyamalan put, uh, uh, the main actor uh, and put him in like a very whitewashed kind of personality. Yeah. Well, there was a, there was a bit of whitewashing in this. Um, unfortunately, Nicola Peltz and Jackson Rathbone play Katara and, and Sokka, or as the movie wanted to call him, Soka. Um, and I, again, not a huge, uh, I'm not, hugely into the avatar world, but I know those characters and the waterbenders were kind of, they were, they were based more on like Inuit, uh, culture, right. And kind of Eskimo culture. Yeah. Yeah. So, and these are two very pale pasty white kids playing these two roles. Um, and again, I, Nicola Peltz, um, I'm going to give her some leeway cause she was 14, 15 when this was made. Um, so still pretty young. She's, okay. Um, I wouldn't call it a great performance. Uh, she's got some very weird kind of cringy dialogue that she has to deliver, but she, she seemed okay. Jackson Rathbone, he's a little tougher to deal with because he's in his mid twenties. So I'm not giving him the child actor, uh, leeway that I give the other two. Um, he's like 11 years older than than who's playing his sister. And I think they're supposed to be like what, 14 and 16, somewhere around there, like kind of mid teens. So here he is at 26 playing 16 and he's terrible. I'm sorry. He might be great in other things. Boy, is he bad in this? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, um, in my opinion, I think, um, and this is just my opinion. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, I, I I really think what well, M Night would have done better if he hired the original uh, actors uh, from uh, the original series. Oh, sure. And and and, and, and and I mean, like, even if it wasn't uh, them on screen, and it's like have them have their voices or whatnot, and it's like it was it was really 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 bad. And like the, there was not even. The, with Katara and Sokka in the original series, they made jokes back and forth with one another. Mm-hmm. Jokes in this. It was so serious that I'm like, please don't make me laugh too hard. I, I don't want to fall out of my seat now. Right. And and like I say, I've seen a few episodes of, of the series, and I remember there being a good amount of humor. Um, 
and you know it's a it was a kids animated series it, it had fun humor in it there's almost none in this and Sokka is just dull he's dull as dishwater he, he has no personality to him whatsoever he doesn't make a single joke in the entire movie he he is part of a horrendously bad love story I I I, I pause to even say love story because it's him and Princess Yue um, who's played by I believe it's pronounced Seychelles uh, Gabriel and their romance is literally explained in a single line in a voiceover that says my brother and the princess became instant friends. And that's all we're given for them to suddenly have this romantic entanglement. Um, Cause I think the very next scene is him offering to be her bodyguard. Yep. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> come on. I mean, that's, that's horrible. That's just horrible writing. Um, but we're going to get into writing more later, but like Jackson Rathbone like I say, he could be great in other things. Um, I know he's known for the Twilight series, which I have not seen any of. Uh, but man, he's not good in this. Um, and and the character, I mean, obviously the script is doing him no favors, right? He's he's just this like almost brooding, uh, kind of quick to violence guy. He's dumber than a bag of hammers. Like I just, I didn't, I did not like that character at all. Um, now I will say. Uncle Iro or Eero, uh, Sean Tube, Tobe, he was my favorite thing in the movie. I loved him. I, I would have to say I'm quite the opposite uh, because, um, in, in my opinion, the uh, the uncle in uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender, mm-hmm. he he made what I liked about him, he always, he always uh, commented about food and whatnot. And he, like, I remember this one line uh, in, in Avatar where like when uh, Saka, I mean, when Zuko wasn't, uh, wasn't going to, uh, he wasn't hungry of eating uh, the fish. He's like, his uncle always said, it's like, are you going to have, are you going to eat that? He's, he, and Zuko just like grabs that out of his hand and say, like, I was going to save it for later. And, but he's like, he's always wanted some kind of food. And like the first episode, he's like, mm, I, and I was like, I'll help you after finish my roast duck. And he's always <laughs> eating. I was like, but, but like, again, with the character's names, Eero, really? Yeah. Like the whole, the whole show said Iro, mm-hmm. and it's like when I, heard, when I heard that name, it was like that sounds like a Subway sandwich. Or <laughs> I'll take a, yes, a foot long Iro, please. Um, well, okay, so I will say that I again I don't have the connection to the series, but his performance in this was one of the best. In as that character, he's playing this wiser character. He. He doesn't have any humor, uh, but nobody does. So I can't fault him for that. But I just, I like that actor too. You know, he he was Yinsen in the Iron Man, uh, the first Iron Man, and he has a, a brief cameo in the third one. Um, he's been in a, a few different things. He's got a great presence to him. And he was he was by far the most watchable actor in this movie. And that's saying a bit because one of my favorite character actors is Fire Lord Ozai. In Cliff Curtis, like I love Cliff Curtis when he shows up in a movie, uh, I I always enjoy his performance. He's boring in this too. It, he just has every like, there's no charisma to him at all. And then I read that 
not only that, but the character in the series goes two seasons where you never even see his face. And it felt like they wanted to try and do that with the one scene. So there's the scene with the Fire Lord where um, Commander Zhao uh, comes comes in and the whole scene is shot from behind the chair that the Fire Lord is sitting in and you never they never show his face. The whole conversation goes that way. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting. Unfortunately, that scene comes after we've already seen his face. So what's the point? From a filmmaking standpoint, why are you doing that now? Like, that doesn't make any sense at all. Um, you do a shot like that, you do something like that when you're still hiding the face of whoever it is. You don't want it to be seen. Not, well, we're going to show this guy, and now we're going to shroud him in mystery. No, it doesn't work. It doesn't work that way at all. Well, what I really think that they blew in the movie was absolutely introducing the Fire Lord, because that movie, technically, if he did it, if, uh, if, let's say, theoretically, if um, if M. Night Shyamalan went along with the show, mm-hmm. Fire Lord Ozai until at least the second uh, season or the third season. Mm-hmm. More than the third season, like you got to see bits and pieces and hear more of his voice in the second. But the, but I was like, that's ridiculous, and because. Um, I, I thought it just kind of just ruined the whole movie. And it's like, okay, you know, if this, as I, I knew it wasn't his intent uh, to even follow along with the TV show, but I think it was just, I think they could, I really think they should, they should have waited because it's like, if the movie turned out well, they, they could have went from, okay, here's a two hour movie based on the first book, then mm-hmm. the second maybe for the second one and the third one and wrap it up everything and it went it went perfectly but nope right well and and it's a waste of a of an acting talent like cliff curtis to put him in that role and to make it dull and then and he's boring and i don't know what i don't even want to know what the what the accent i use air quotes on he was trying to affect uh with that just let him talk like he normally does but we've mentioned him a few times now. We're let's dive into M Night Shyamalan as writer, <laughs> producer, and director of this. Uh, so, so I mentioned I have kind of a, a love hate relationship with his with his catalog. I I very much enjoyed The Sixth Sense. Um, I liked Unbreakable. I thought that was a fun movie because uh, that was a really interesting idea. That movie was like Act One stretched out for an hour and a half. Um, which I thought was kind of cool. I didn't hate the village. I didn't hate um, some uh, signs was, was okay, but you know, eh. but he doesn't feel like the right person for this material to, to adapt something like he's always written original scripts and here he is adapting something. And it, it felt like it felt very much like work for hire and, I think I even read something where he gave he was giving a talk in 2019 about it and basically said that's that's what it was uh, was he had this draw to do like a big budget CG driven you know kind of blockbuster and it it went horribly wrong and it did it was not good his his choices are interesting in this there's several action sequences Ooh. that he does oh go ahead I 
I think I know what, which scenes you're probably going to refer to. Uh, let me guess. It was the one where they were in the Earth camp, mm-hmm. and, or, camp mm-hmm. and eight earthbenders to move a pebble-sized golf ball of, uh, of a rock. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it, it looked like a dance sequence. Well, so he decided to have these action sequences done as long takes. And so here, here there's a scene where the earth they're they're in one of the earthbender villages in the, the prison area of the village. And they, the Ang and, um, and them decide, you know, kind of rally the earthbenders and get them to fight back. And you're right. It's like six earthbenders to move one rock. And, some of that has to be because here's, I think it was ILM. I think it was industrial light and magic did a lot of the bending effects and they're having to try and work this CG into this long take. And it just, it doesn't work. It takes all the teeth out of it. Like I, I do remember some earth bending in the series and it was like one earthbender was enough to move all sorts of stuff. And, and half a dozen of them should have been able to flip over a tank and here's six of them, and they're just like, we're going to push this little rock over and take out one guy. It was it wasn't wasn't good, but there were weird. There were other weird choices Shyamalan made. The long Ooh. takes weren't great. And I normally what about the, uh, oh, go ahead. What about what about the Earth Camp too? Yeah, in the series, they were supposed to be on a metal rig so that they so that it would take their Earthbender powers away. Right, they're in an Earthbender camp. You can't just get rid of the guards yourself and, hey, and escape. You need it, uh, Ong to, to rescue you. Right. Okay. Yes. So that is dumb, right? That's just, just straight up dumb to have these people that can literally bend and move the earth to their will. And, oh, uh, we're, we're on a patch of dirt, but you know what? We can't do anything because they got metal stuff. No, you can do all sorts of things. You should have been able to not ever have been in that situation in the first place. That's that's a that's a horrible change. Again, I understand changes happening in an adaptation. I talk about it a lot on this show. Adapting stuff is hard, but that's an easy thing. You don't like that type of a change fundamentally switches around what's going on in that scene and it doesn't work. It no longer works there. So then on top of that, you've got poor looking effects on, because I don't want to fault the actors on set because here's, you know, actors on set and they're going to do the bending. Um, and it's, it's a lot of, uh, Kung Fu, Tai Chi, Taekwondo movements, which all looked fine, but it felt like, it felt like there was a delay between when they would start doing a movement and when the actual bending magic, uh, effect would happen. Um, and it's it, like you'd be checking your watch like, OK, it's been it's been 10 seconds. Why? Why am I not seeing any water move from the waterbender? Uh, yep. And and that happened a lot. And there was a second the the scene where um, the blue spirit comes and rescues Aang. Um, yep. That fight sequence started off kind of interesting. I liked Aang going into the training area and using those. Um, kind of flopping, flapping gates as like a way to section people off, even though he's fighting one guy while the rest of them are all fighting around him. But like visually, that was kind of neat. And then they have this long tracking shot in mostly slow motion 
that just serves to make it look like everything is choreographed and no one's actually making contact with anybody. So it was just, there were weird choices like that. And there were even weird choices of like conversation shots, like shot, um, you know, a conversation where you're looking at one person and then you do the reverse shot and look at the other person. And like there's one in the earthbending camp where they are zoomed in so close on Aang's face. You, you only catch like from the eyebrows to his chin, the rest of like, that's all that's in the frame, (laughs) but he's closer than the two of them in the reverse shot of it. It's like, okay, maybe you were trying to do something unique looking, but it didn't work. It just looked weird and like somebody who doesn't know how to shoot film. And the thing is, I know he can, I've seen him do it competently in other things. Even in this movie, there's a, the, when we meet, um, Prince Zuko in the, the waterbender camp at the beginning, the village there, they have a nice shot reverse shot with him and Aang where the shots of Zuko are shot low to look up at him, which in filmmaking is going to give him a position of power. He's looking down at you. And then Aang, they kind of shoot, they don't shoot looking down at him. It's, it's straight on. So you're not quite sure yet about him and like what his, what his stance is. That's well done. But then you show this, this other one and you've got Katara and Sokka and they're super close to frame. And then you cut over to Aang and he's even closer into frame. Uh, and it was weird. And then, you know, the, the dialogue is not good either. So you're just layering incompetence on top of itself from somebody who I know can make a good movie. That's the thing that drives me crazy about it. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, what drives me I'm, I'm very crazy of that movie as well. You know, you know how, uh, and well, again, for you not seeing the whole uh, Avatar, the last airbender series, like the, the whole thing as a hundred year war and, and whatnot. And, and obviously the, the uh, Fire Nation was nearing victory in the war, but cracked me up in the movie and, and was really, really pathetic was that the Fire Nation needed all these cauldrons of fire and torches and tiki torches. And, and I was like, wait, if that happened in the show, all the do, all the Earthbenders had to do was take away the cauldrons and and up uh, right. oh, is over <laughs> yeah so that's not the same in the show right yeah like in the show they don't need a source of fire to bend no. they can just create fire like uh like uncle um iroh does at the end yeah towards the end of the movie he, okay. he, he even showing the uh he even says in the first episode in the series uh in the show he said and it's like fire comes from the breath not the muscles and here in the movie, they they uh, have all these tiki torches and everything, and the and the fire you can tell is so gosh darn fake. And it's like this is not even funny. And it's like this is sad funny. You know, and here's an amazing thing: this movie cost 150 million dollars to make. In in it came out in 2010, so it was 10 years ago, 11 years ago. 150 million dollars to make. I read somewhere where they spent $130 million on marketing for it. $130 million in marketing for this movie. They rushed a 3D conversion so that it could be 3D in theaters. Uh, world, so 
what's that? That's roughly $280 million between production budget and marketing to make this movie. Uh, it, it grossed worldwide 320. So it barely made its money back in terms of how much they spent, which is why they didn't make any more. Um, and that's really unfortunate because this is such interesting source material and even not having seen the series, um, I've seen a few episodes here and there and I know, I know bits and pieces of it. But even not being a huge fan of the series, I can see these these kernels of like really interesting storytelling at, at play here that just failed miserably. And I think part of it, and, and this is uh, kind of where I come from on it, but like I like adaptations of other works, but adapting a series into a single movie is usually not a great idea. Because no. what's the, the first book? Because um, there was three three seasons, right, of, uh, of yeah. Avatar? So book one is probably, I'm going to guess, 20 to 20 or so episodes, right around that number. So let's call them half-hour-long episodes. That's still roughly 10 hours of material that yeah, you're trying to condense down into two. And this was only an hour yeah. and 45 minutes. So... Yeah. I would say like each episode is around like 25, 30 minutes. And, okay. And, um, and I, I think they shoved way too much in the uh, two hour movie. Oh, like I think they could, time. Uh, I think they could have done maybe uh, like maybe, maybe um, I'd say maybe like the, I don't know, maybe the first season of avatar if they're lucky maybe even half mm-hmm. but uh there is too many things that you cut out of it and and it's not like a like i'm with you i don't mind if they make a tv show into a movie but you gotta allow enough uh you gotta allow dialogue there was so many and i agree with you about the action scenes too they were really really long and it's like if star wars took that long or is it take that long to make uh uh all the fight scenes i don't think anybody would ever see star wars no probably not you know and, and adaptations of things can work if you but you have to go i always come back to it but it's one of the better adaptations i've ever seen is the lord of the rings trilogy the, the, those three movies are exactly how you take something and you adapt it to the screen. Peter Jackson, Fran Walsh, and Philip Boyens really sat down and looked at those stories and said, okay, what works? What story are we telling? What works? And where can we, where can we cut things to make it work, not only visually, but keep the pacing right? And this felt like they started with, okay, here's the 20 episodes of season one. All right. What can, you know, what can we cut? Well, we can't cut anything. All right. So I guess we're going to squish everything down. And it, it just like somewhere you've got to, you've got to trim some things. I know I did read that there were a couple characters that were missing from season one um, in this movie. Um, I get that. Like, I understand how that happens, but it still felt, even with there being characters missing, this felt overstuffed. There was too much going on. They were trying to, I mean, we talked about the, the, romance and i'm using huge air quotes for that romance between Sokka and um princess uh yue 
because that like that had no time to gestate at all. They literally meet, and the next scene is them flirting, kind of. Yeah. And and uh, her character alone almost didn't need to be in this movie. She's only there to serve a plot point at the end with the the moon spirit, and even that isn't her doing it. Like it's Uncle Iroh telling her that she can do this thing. And then she's like, Oh, I can, is it my choice? Like, is, I don't know that that felt weird. And like, like it felt like in the series, they probably went a different direction with that in terms of like, it was her idea in the first place. Yeah, it was her idea to okay. give her up to the moon spirit. But, uh, one of the, I think some of the key points that they took away from the, um, that, I mean, that they cut off from the show was that like they don't explain on um how they kind of miss some like the uh, like for instance about the um like uh the going back to earth camp for a second sure. they uh like Qatar was the one who rallied up the uh earthbenders Aang just literally uh like he came in to like help out when needed, but he, but, he, but, and he, they came up with a plan together, but it was Qatar who went into the camp and, and try to rally them up. It didn't work the first two times, but then it worked the third time. But, uh, but, uh, but obviously they, they, they got it wrong. And, and I've also read somewhere that the reason why um, it was such the reason why it turned out the way it did, M. Night Shyamalan personally did not like the series, and he wanted to make it uh, his version of it. Oh. And I, I was like, "You really, you literally just got handed a silver platter here from a show that's already been made, and you could have already like had a huge, big, wealthy life if you just made it correctly." And it's like, and I really feel bad for the actors because you, you kind of screw them up because they're, who knows if they're ever get another acting job again because of Mr. M. Night, uh, Mr. Wonderful. Well, and in the case of Noah Ringer, he really didn't. Um, he did this move. Like I say, he had a small part in Cowboys and Aliens and then that was it. Um, that, that really bugs me because I've made jokes before where I see, um, I see a movie like, uh, one of the ones I've, I've mentioned before is, um, I love Highlander. I love the series of Highlander. The movies are okay, but the fifth Highlander movie, I always like to joke, it's a Highlander movie made by somebody who doesn't like Highlander or actually on this show a while back, we covered, um, Miami vice. And my, my comment then was, and I knew, I knew that Michael Mann who directed Miami Vice had created the series back in the eighties. But my joke was this movie was directed by somebody who didn't like Miami Vice because it was so va vastly different from it. But in this case, that's actually true. And that bugs me. So, so Shyamalan really didn't like the series, but w then why adapt it? Don't do that. D uh, make something you like. Don't try to change something you don't like. That's not yeah. going to work. Yeah. Um, especially, so many people who love the original series yeah. and uh, 
and you know now he's and it's funny i read i i heard an from an interview or, or an article uh interview that he said that that uh that, the last airbender that that he made was the that it still hunts him today he still have people telling him how bad it is and and it's like well you should never have made it yeah well then then you shouldn't have done it and you know we've had a couple people in the chat uh bring up okay so m night Shyamalan, terrible choice right shouldn't have written and directed this uh apparently the original creators of the show were didn't really want it to be done but then we're like all right well we'll you know will be around and then ended up just kind of leaving um, because they weren't being listened to and they had creative differences, but. Well, that but, was the Netflix one though. Oh, okay. That was, that was that. But, uh, so M. Night Shyamalan, not a good choice, right? Yeah. Obviously if he didn't like the source material and now he's adapting it, but if you could pick uh, a director and a writer or the same person, do you have anybody in mind that you would want to have make this, this series, this as a movie? I would say James Cameron, uh, and the reason why is because, uh, and, and I'm not saying like uh, he, he's like my most favorite director out there, but like he has a lot of successful films, mm-hmm. uh, like that Avatar series uh, uh, with the blue people. Yep. Or, uh, again, I mean, the, the timing is really, really off with them and they're too far spread out, but that's a whole nother conversation for another time. But, uh, he, uh, but the reason I like it is because he gets 3D correct. He, do, he does certain things that I like. Uh, like uh, I, I just think because he is, uh, he, I think it's just because he's been around a lot longer he has some awards under his belt, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm wrong about that. Uh, I oh, did sure. read that. Thing. And uh, and it is like all the effects that he does it is like he makes it look really, really realistic and everything. And uh, and it's like, or I could see the original cast doing uh, the movie. I mean, the original directors. And writers because they know how to make dialogue they know how to create ongoing conversations between characters like oh that person's had a funny comment let's let's play it off from that and but uh yeah those are, i could see those two those people are doing it uh i think the cast i could see in my opinion, and this is just me, but I think the only person who can play the Fire Lord is Mark Hamill because, because I, it's funny. I, to be honest, when I was younger, when I first watched the series, I never knew that Mark Hamill was the first of the Fire Lord. Hmm. And the only way I found out, and I, and I know, to be honest, it's only a Google search, but back then I was really didn't match Google searches on certain things. I just, I didn't really care at the point. Sure. I was like, I really like the series. I just didn't uh, like really pay attention of like, as a first over, it's not like you, you really know it was him. He's, he's acting and whatnot. 
and so when I saw it on the DVD, when I got the DVDs, and it's like, wait, Mark Hamill is the voice, Violet voice, like, holy crap, I wouldn't even guess in my million years. That's pretty cool, actually. I did not know that. Um, yeah, I could, I could see he would be hard. You, he would do a great voice. Um, I'm curious. I'll have to. I'm, I'm going to watch the series at some point. Like, just dive into it because. It's on Netflix. It is. Okay. Uh, because I, I think I'd enjoy it a lot. What what episodes I have seen, I enjoyed. Um, and I want to kind of dive into it and watch it piece by piece. It's just, you know, finding time these days. But James Cameron is an interesting choice only because the reason the movie got named as just The Last Airbender was because it was coming out either right before or right after James Cameron's Avatar had come out. And so the title of Avatar was already registered and they didn't want to have confusion. So they dropped the Avatar from their movie and just made it The Last Airbender. And so, I bet you, uh, and plus I bet you uh, Nickelodeon also had the Avatar The Last Airbender registered as well. Well, so, yeah, this was a Nickelodeon production. Um, yeah. So I'm just saying, uh, oh, I'm yeah. sure that, that, so it was like, they had Avatar, James Cameron had Avatar, <laughs> And then it has the last airbender. Right. Right. Um, they should really the last, last, last airbender because they're not making another one. That's true. Um, you know, I would like to see somebody had brought up, um, Ang Lee as, uh, as somebody who could have made this based off of crouching tiger, hidden dragon. And I could kind of see that cause there is some similar, uh, feel in terms of like uh, visual styling that I think could work with this. But whoever di- does do this or adapts it or makes it or whatnot, get the feeling of the series into it. Because I think what this movie, what really hurts this movie more than anything else is that it is boring. It is boring and it is like lifeless there's no there's no life in the characters i don't care about any of them because they're all one-dimensional um you know Sokka in this movie is dull and boring and has one of the dumbest moments in a movie i can remember for quite a while and that's right at the beginning of it when he takes out his uh, little boomerang knife and and cracks through the ice and then acts surprised when the ice starts cracking like it's gonna uh give way like, what did you think was going to happen there? Um, so, you know, but even like, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, Katara feels like she just likes and wants to care for everything constantly. Whereas you're mentioning that she was the one that rallied the earthbenders in there when they were imprisoned. Um, I want to see that, but she doesn't do any of that in this movie. Um, she she really is kind of there to be like you know ang you or ong uh i believe in you and you're my my responsibility i need to take care like no i just i don't know there was nothing there we talked about cliff curtis as fire lord and fire lord or as i didn't even need to be in this movie um and it's a problem another problem i have with that and i've seen this in other movies is it takes the teeth out of who is your actual um your actual villain that's doing anything in the movie. So commander Zhao, uh, really gets in the world. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I like that actor a lot. Um, I like 
the idea of this character, but as soon as you have the Fire Lord actually being there, now this guy's no longer a threat, right? Because we already know who's above him. Make that shrouded in mystery. Make that something where he, you know, the Fire Lord is almost like a Darth Vader type character that you talk about, but you never actually see. Yeah. Because that makes that, that gives your villain that's on screen something and it gives uh, more mystery and intrigue and you want to know more about this Fire Lord. Um, yeah. yeah, well, like Zhao and the other, uh, uh, I, I really thought he was funny in the, um, in the show because like he always thought so high and mighty of himself, but mm-hmm. yeah, he, he screwed up everything. He's like, they're going to call me Zhao the Conquerors, Zhao this. And it's like, well, maybe if you stop having your pep talk, you may have been able to get, get away with half of this crap that you were going to do. But uh, Ang, Ang Guitar and Sokka keeps on catching up with you, and you're such a freaking boneheaded idiot. And it's like, I can see this coming. I was like, yeah. oh, and like we're going to stop you. Like, nah. <laughs> and then on top of that, boy, did they do that character dirty at the end, too. Because he gets killed uh, by four random waterbenders who because they have they have this really emotional moment where he stops Prince Zuko and they're facing off and then Ito or Iroh comes up and is like no Zuko you come with me blah 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 they do that whole thing they walk away and then he turns around and there's just like four randos come walking up on the thing and encase him in a bubble of water and drown him I was like that's not even what happened in the uh, in in the TV show either (laughs) You know I'm, what happened in it? I hope not. Uh, uh, well, there was this big uh, giant. Well, when Aang was uh, when uh, Aang uh, goes into uh, in the spirit, uh, uh, uses the spirit uh, from, from uh, the the uh, oh the, the water spirit or the moon spirit or whatever ocean. Yeah, yeah, and okay. he, he, it turns into a big giant fish and. And uh, before, and I, I, I want to make this one point before I finish my thought there. Sure. One of the things that bugged me, like the major thing that bugged me about this movie was near the ending, was you could have had a really, really cool effect of a big, giant, freaking fish taking out every gosh darn Fire Nation ship but he, t- but M Night Shyamalan took the, I think he took the stupid out of stupid, and <laughs> and he did. He put a big giant bubble instead. Yeah, you want know you know what a big giant bubble is going to turn over a big thousand billion pound warship? Okay, great idea. Yeah. Uh, maybe in a bubble, maybe in a bubble bath, it could uh, knock over. <laughs> <laughs> a battleship but not this uh i don't care how big that bubble bubble is but like hang you can see ang standing up a, uh, i'm sorry let me on standing on the very top of an uh of the uh, ice wall of the uh of the uh, northern water tribe and, and, and he's and he's making the bubble and it's like Okay, this is was so much better than the show, and as I as I, I get it, that might have been hard to make, but you know, maybe that's why it takes James Cameron this many years to do Avatar with all the blue people and everything, because you know, at least um, 
at least you got the effects right. At least, at least, at least he has some sort of directory and some sort of sense. And it's like, I'm gonna make this realistic. Yeah, a bubble's not gonna. Yeah, a, a billion pound warship is not gonna get. It would break through the bubble. Yeah, that. I, I, if the if the climax of the series one was a giant fish, I understand maybe why they went in a different direction. But at the same time, like if you're gonna adapt this thing, dive into it. Do do it right. But that like on on its on its own, having not seen the series, I didn't mind that part of the the climax. It was what happened to Zhao was just lame. Like. They weren't even people that, you know, give give us give us someone that's involved in the movie to take him out instead of yeah. just four nameless people. Because um, again, it just takes everything. He's no, he's not a threat at any point in this movie. Um, yeah, and it's sad. Well, yeah, well, you know, but back to my other point, real quick. There was a which what happened to Zhao is when uh, Ang. Uh, uh, gets out of the fish. That didn't sound right, but I'm just gonna go with. <laughs> sure. Uh, like, uh, like the spirit like fades back into the water, and and then uh, while he, it's going back, it's like a big giant arm that grabs a hold of Zhao, and Zuko like was looking at what happened with Zhao, and Zhao's still there with in hand, and so Zuko was gonna. Uh, uh, grab his arm to pull him back in, but Zhao rather just be t- taken away into the spirit world. And oh, okay. Because uh, Zuko, he hates Zuko. He hates uh, everything, and he he wouldn't even want his help at all because oh. he thinks he's high and mighty. And but technically, he's not even dead. He just lost in the spirit world because uh, later on, and. Uh, the legend of Korra is in the spirit world trapped and he's in this confused fog and he's like, I'm Zhao the conqueror. And it's like, as a unanimous threat, you're like a crazy lunatic. <laughs> we'll see, in third yeah. That, that sounds like a much more fitting ending for that character than what we got in the movie, which was a bubble of water. And then he just flops there dead. Uh, that was, but again, that was, that's what this movie is missing is any kind of like connection or heart. None of the characters, I don't care about any of them. And that can work in a movie where I don't need to care about them. Like say Godzilla versus Kong, for instance, uh, I don't care about the human characters and that cause I'm there to watch the big ape and the big lizard fight each other. But this movie is about these characters and I don't care about them and they have no personality and they're just there to spout exposition. That's this, this whole movie it's weirdly overstuffed and missing a ton of things. Like there's so much going on. They jam so much exposition down your throat, the entire movie. And yet there's these big gaps where they're just like, and hand wavy, hand wavy. We don't care. Like how the, the whole bit where, uh, right at the beginning of it, where you get the voiceover of, um, Katara talking about, well, so Ang left, uh, and ran away and him and Appa got caught in a storm and he made an air bubble and froze themselves, but then he doesn't remember anything else. Like, wait a minute, hold on, we're missing. There's like, we went from A to D, 
directly, and we missed B and C. There's there's points in there we we should probably know a little bit about. Um, plus, they they like we didn't. I didn't even know the name was Appa for uh, the big uh, six legged flying fl- fuzzy dragon. They just threw that out there. Like he ran. He ran. I thought the storm. I thought the way she said it at first was like he got caught in a storm on Appa. I thought Appa was a place. And that was where he was when he got caught in this storm. It wasn't until later on that I realized that Appa was the the creature, which I liked the I liked Appa. I thought that was cool yeah. looking. Um, well, you know, to, to be honest, you know, to be honest, uh, you know, I thought that was the uh, this was what the only movie that didn't like say name of the character, but I. I uh, but recently, like I think a few years ago, I saw this one uh, movie that I honestly didn't even know it was a movie. It was by a book from one of my favorite authors, James Patterson. Okay. And and this one, it was based off of the uh, well, it was supposed to be based off of a book called Maximum Ride. And th- this movie was the worst thing. I mean. It's not as worst as M Night, but uh, <laughs> uh, 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 the Last Airbender. But this, I would think this one would take second, in my opinion. And the reason why, and I'm gonna go, I'm gonna. This is one of my references because um, they, I think it was like six or seven of the main characters that were supposed to have a name in the movie, mm-hmm. but there was one character. And if you read the book, you know who they're referencing. But if you never read the book, you don't know who they're referencing. And they, they just, so every time when they refer to this person, it was, hey, how are you? <laughs> how are you? And they just kept on saying to that person, hey, hey, you. And it's like, he doesn't have a name? Who the hell came up with this thing? Oh, man. <laughs> you know, you can you can get away with maybe not saying a character's name sometimes but that doesn't sound like a a situation where you could at all i don't know i ah, man finding out that m night Shyamalan didn't want to make this movie or didn't want to adapt this story as it was in the first place makes it worse and this was already bad like this is the 116th episode of this show that i've done so i have watched now 116 movies uh, and talked about them of the previous 115 movies that we've watched, I can say I would rewatch 114 of them. Okay, the only one that I just don't really care to watch again is Miami Vice because I was bored the whole time. Um, that number, yeah, and, and and that number 114, it's not changing. I don't want to watch this movie ever again. And <laughs> it's just, it's it's dull. It's boring. It it gave me nothing. I don't need a movie that gives me that force feeds me backstory. And then like you can work that information in, in more interesting ways. Uh, I'm already like on the fence with any movie that does excessive voiceover. And this is the bad version of like voiceover uh, kind of monologue because Katara's delivery isn't great. And again, we're talking about a 14 year old girl playing this part. So, you know, be that what it is. Uh, Aang's deliveries weren't spectacular. It is a 13 year old boy, but 
it like none of it felt like it was needed. There was a weird moment where the Fire Lord and Zhao had a conversation, and then we got like two minutes of of movie, and then there's a voiceover between the two of them about whatever they were talking about previously. And I wrote in my notes, I'm like, wait, are they are we still on that conversation? We've moved on. We're in a different scene now. Like it didn't make any sense why they would do that there. There's just so many weird choices being made making this movie that I just don't get it. Um, and, and, and I sort of touched on this a little bit, but like, if you're going to take a series like this and adapt it for a film, there's two ways I feel like you do that. One is you continue the story. So you take, you take the series and you base your movie after that series as a continuation and a new story. Or if you're going to adapt what's already existing a series is hard to do because you've you you've been afforded the ability to tell that story over 10 hours and now you're trying to condense that down like adapting a novel same same idea right you got stuff to cut and pace it right for a movie you can do it but it should be done by somebody who loves the source material so that they know what what works and what doesn't and is this was this is a prime case of somebody who had no idea what made Avatar The Last Airbender be a series that so many people adored. And it yeah. won Peabody Awards and all these awards. And this movie was nothing but Razzies. Uh, yeah. It's just... I think, to be honest, I think that, I think he should... In my opinion, if he... I think he should have been... Should have... Even though he has watched the series, the original series and he didn't like it, I think he, he shouldn't be. I think if I was the original producers or creators of the show, because he didn't like it, I really feel like if that was my work, and I was a, I don't have work like that, but if I did, I would say to M. Night Insight, I'm not giving you permission to make this. I was like, because one, you don't like it, and that's your fine. It's your opinion. You don't have to like it, but you're not calling it the last era, Brenner. You're not calling. You can call it whatever name you can come up with, but you're not referring to the last era, Brenner, because no one's gonna uh, yeah. like. And now you get a horrible taste in people's mouths. Well, and I wonder. So this was a Nickelodeon production. And the creators mm -hmm. of the show, uh, Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian um, Konetsko, I believe is how it's pronounced, Konetsko, uh, they they created the series. And I, I found some trivia that said that they were executive producers on this, but they didn't they didn't want to be. Um, the the quote from them, it was an interview in 2014, where he said, "Look, we didn't want this to be made, um, but." Before anyone was attached, we didn't even want it. And then, well, okay, it's going to happen, so we want to be involved in it, but they won't let us direct it, This that being the studio. So they attached Knight, and they thought, well, I guess if this is what's going to happen, we'll offer our help, and if it's wanted, great, and if not, then okay. So it sounds like they didn't have control the way that you would hope that a creator would. And... I mean, that happens. It happens a lot. Studios end up with rights and control and they can do what they want to do. And that's why some of these uh, adaptations and movies get made. And it's unfortunate because that's got to hurt for these guys who made this series 
and to have that happen. And then I, I read that they were working on, since 2018, a Netflix adaptation, and now they've left that as well. So, yeah, they, what they were going to do, they were going to, uh, they were working, well, technically it was, uh, well, uh, Netflix hired them to work on an adaptation. Okay. And then Netflix, and then what they were hoping to do, uh, they were hiring the cast and whatnot, and then Netflix wanted to be in full control and everything, mm. and uh, they created differences, so they walked away. And what I think uh, what is crappy about Netflix is that, and and I'm not bashing Netflix in another way because I really like using their platform. <laughs> so, but one thing I dislike about Netflix is that. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Stranger Things. I am, but but they uh, they gave those creators the mo- uh, their uh, creative their uh, creative freedom to do whatever they want. Nickelodeon right. gave those guys the creative freedom of what they want. Netflix, come on, why didn't you give them your creative freedom? And I was like, maybe they're not asking for a boatload of money. I don't know. I don't know what their contract said. But you know what? I would have signed off on the dotted line. You know, if they gave if they gave Nickelodeon two creative series, well, you, you're stupid for passing up those to original creators. And it's like, and it's like you signed the, the uh, Stranger Things guys to like another what th- four year deal? I don't know, three year deal? Come on. Right. Yeah. The money. You know and. <laughs> Uh, Diana in the chat says um, what they should have said to him, to M. Night Shyamalan, is you don't have to like the series, but remain faithful to it. Uh, yeah. And that's true. And you're right. I don't know which one is worse, this or the Dragon Ball movie, because Dragon Ball Evolution was also a hot, steaming pile of garbage. Um, Never seen it. Don't. Just don't don't waste your hour and a half. You're, you're better off having not seen that. And I say that as somebody who routinely makes fun of Dragon Ball Z because it was half an hour episode with with five minutes of story and then 25 minutes of posturing for a fight. But that movie was bad. And interestingly enough, both Dragon Ball Evolution and The Last Airbender have a common thread. And that common thread is an actor, and that actor is Randall Duck Kim, who was Grandpa Gohan in Dragon Ball Evolution. He's the old man villager that sets up Aang um, at the Northern Temple, when he shows up and there's that old man that ends up turning on him and pulls the knife. That was Randall Duck Kim, who's another actor I love, and I actually liked him in the scene as a as an actor, but the the scene was weird. But he's in both those movies, so unfortunately he's been in a couple really bad movies. Um, yeah. Yeah. Man. What's really, what, what really also made me kind of wonder is that it was... A, on the and the northern uh, water tribe with all the tiki torches and a cauldron, <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Is that I think it, wasn't it snowing in the movie too? I think so. Uh, and so, what I'm kind of curious is like when the, when those uh, uh, snowflakes melt the flame. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like with the way they changed or apparently changed because you're right uh the it's kind of a dumb thing to have the firebenders have to have a source of fire so it's like oh 
put out all the fires. Well, firebenders are useless now. They can't do anything. Um, oh, man. Why it, did they have matches? <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, they're, they're all running around with like matches and a little like a pouch of tinder. They've all got little uh, little flint and steel. Quick, light it again before the war is over. Yeah. <laughs> so the war doesn't stop. They've all got a little uh, little like gas pilot light. <laughs> That's all it is. It's just a little pilot light and like a keychain hanging on their belt. Oh man, it, it's unfortunate. It, it I do want to watch the series. I want to I want to like dive in to the series. And you're right, Amy in the chat mentions it works in X Men. Pyro in the X Men can't create fire but he can control it so what's he do he's always got a lighter on him that's all the firebenders need is just a lighter at all times when you when you find out that you can bend fire you're given your ceremonial zippo and sent on your way but it's just oh go ahead well i was gonna say you know what we need to do is that you, you you need to watch the original series and then you're gonna you should then have me back on and we can talk about the original series too because you know i think the original series is freaking amazing uh just in my opinion and and you're not the only person that's told me that and given that they're only a half hour episodes or 25 minutes or whatever i can i can definitely find time to watch them and i'm going to now because i need to wash the bad taste of this out of my mouth and get some good word world building and dive into this this thing because I loved the concepts there. I liked the idea of the elemental benders and the fact that you've got these different nations and they're all, you know, the, the fire nation decides to go to war and all that. But like this movie just didn't work. And luckily I'm not the type of person that's, that would watch this and then say, well, I want nothing to do with that world at all. No, this made me just want to know it more. So, um, I also have to say that, you know, for me, uh, like because Netflix let go of the original creators on their adaptations of it, I want to say to them as a challenge, I want to see you do better than M. M. Night Shyamalan, and I hope you follow the original series because if you make his mistakes over again, <laughs> you should put out of business because you suck. Absolutely. Well, I'm I'm here to say you and I could make a better movie than Ava- than the Last Airbender. Uh, That's a low bar. <laughs> fair. It is a low bar to clear. But uh, as somebody who's made a couple of uh, admittedly very bad movies, um, I can I can say that I could do better than this movie was. Uh, just, oh, man, it's, oh, I can't stress enough. I almost feel like I need to tell people you should watch this movie, but I don't want to put somebody through. It's an hour and 45 minutes. I'm not getting back. And, and it's actually more than that for me, just because I watch the movie and then I have to go back through and kind of pick out some, if there's audio and, and I didn't even capture much audio for this movie because there just wasn't anything worth, worth capturing. And it's strange that I know the series had humor in it and there's hardly any in this movie, even like accidental movie, like accidental humor. There's barely any in there. Well, you know, to be honest, if you if somebody wants to watch it and I'm, and that's a big if, but I would say, look at it this way is that instead of a big waste of time, think of it as a, not even a learning ex- experience, but if you want to laugh at something, laugh at something that is just 
absolutely terrible that that has no humor in it and you have nothing else to do and you watch every single netflix show and every and your capability is boring is you don't even want to touch cable anymore because it's <laughs> for the summer months go watch the movie by all means and just laugh the hell out of the movie because that's what the movie is it's laughable in a bad way i mean there's nothing laughable that it's oh ha ha he he it's funny it, i mean it's ha ha he he funny what the hell was that that i just watched exactly yeah that's that's pretty much how you end this movie is like what did I just watch? Why, why did I watch it? And how can, what can I watch to erase the memory of that? So I, look, last airbender is, uh, it's not good. Very last airbender. It should be the, the last airbender made by M night Shyamalan. Cause Holy crap. But Hey, you know what? I watched it. This was a fun conversation, Jimmy. I'm glad that you brought the movie to me. Um, even though, it's weird to say I'm glad you brought this to me because I also at the same time am very upset that you brought this to me. <laughs> so um, both both so thank sorry. you and shame on you at the same time, okay? <laughs> um, wouldn't be the worst thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, this has been a great conversation. Where can people find uh, anything that you're doing or follow you on social media or anything like that uh, if they want to chat with you or or you know, chastise you for making me watch this movie, um, but um, be nice about it. I'm watching yeah, let's be nice about it. Uh, technically, I did not make him watch it. Uh, like That's, you true. Could, That's true. You could literally Google like all the YouTube videos and that'd be shorter than the movie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but if you want to find more about me, you can go to crazyfitnessguy.com. I'm... I'm a motivational speaker and an autism advocate, but I love my movies, and I I just wanted, you know, when I when I heard about your podcast, I knew I wanted to be be on it because uh, because this movie has been going on in my head for so long since the day I saw it in theaters, and it, and it's like, man, I wish I could just go on someone's show and just rant about this annoying movie because i ran to my friends i ran to my family members and then so now i had the opportunity it's like yes there you go there you go well you know what then i'm glad that we were able to do this and i'm glad that you got a nice outlet and you got to share your pain with me um and now i can say i've seen the last airbender and i never have to watch it again so i guess then i had to watch original series and then we have to talk about that because it's so much fun that's true that that is going to happen for sure and definitely you are welcome back anytime jimmy uh we'll we'll do this again next time we'll find a movie you haven't seen before which sounds like you've seen a lot so we'll have to we'll have to discuss that but we'll we'll find something we'll get you back on here this was this was fun i'm i'm really glad we got to do this thank you you're totally welcome, and uh, please don't make it. And please don't make me watch the movie Lincoln because I did not enjoy the movie. <laughs> I mean, not that not saying there's any bad acting in it. I just, I, I did not. I'm not in. I'm not a person who really likes history movies, so that's just my opinion. So um, fair enough. There's nothing shameful in the movie. Just not a big fan. Fair enough. Okay. Well, uh, definitely crazyfitnessguy.com to find Jimmy um, and everything that he does. So, 
we record. I record this show on Sunday nights, 8 p.m. at twitch.tv slash Travis. And if you want to be part of my Twitch chat room, like Danny Ora, like Diana, uh, Phelan, Phil Rude was in here earlier. Uh, I saw Redcoat. Um, it's always great to have that. I'm reading it throughout the entire show. I do f- pull things from that, so it's great to have people in there. Uh, the show comes out on Wednesdays. Uh, TVstravis.com is the easiest way to find the show, but it is available on all your podcasting uh, platforms, Apple, Google, um, I believe it's on Spotify, possibly. If not, I, I should fix that at some point. Um, if you do listen to the show and um, you can leave a rating and review on like Apple Podcasts, it does help the show become more discoverable to people that maybe you don't know um, that you're not spreading it word of mouth that I hope you are because uh, if you are, I love you for that. But um, yeah, this is a 116th episode. And uh, next week, I need to find what I am working on next week because... If I remember right, uh, I've got a fun one coming up. It'll just take me a second here. Um, uh, I've got some some good movies. Oh, next week is is going to be a fun one. Uh, I am discussing uh, Big Trouble in Little China uh, with Phil yeah, Keating. Uh, it's a John Carpenter movie from the 80s starring Kurt Russell. Uh, Kurt Russell plays a truck driver named Jack Burton who gets caught in uh, San Francisco's Chinatown and hilarity ensues. Um, it is it is a cult classic if ever there was one. So definitely uh, next week's conversation is going to be a whole lot of fun. Phil Keating is going to come on. We're going to talk about big trouble in little China. So until then, Jimmy, once again, thank you very much for being on. This was a ton of fun. Thank you, everybody in the chat room. Um, as I like to say, enjoy your movies. And the world is... It's getting better. Everything is healing. But still, let's be excellent to each other. All right? There's been weight you haven't seen. Bending tiny stones at us from behind a tree. It really hurt. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>